Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to the JT and Looney Podcast. We really appreciate you downloading it, sharing it with friends. This is episode 161. We are powered by our friends at Bet Online, where the game starts. And that's where you go to bet on sports. Now, if you had bet on John Rahm to win the L.A. Open at Riviera, it's called the Genesis Open now. Phil Collins and his gangsters took it over. But it used to be called the L.A. Open. And John Rahm won the L.A. Open. You know, you could have bet $100 on John Rahm to win the L.A. Open or the Genesis Open and won yourself a big chunk of change. People are actually gambling on the PGA. But you can also gambling on gamble on more fun stuff like the NBA, the NHL, the NFL when they're playing college football. Well, you know what the sports are and you know what gambling is. But if you're not involved in the incredible world of gambling, what's your problem? It's a new vice that you need in your life. And the place to go to bet on sports is bet online. And right now, if you go there to betonline.ag, go there to betonline.ag. And if you've never been a member there before at BetOnline, put down 100 bucks, they'll give you 50. 50% signing bonus just for being friends with JT and Looney. Type in the promo code BLEAV, as in Believe. That's the Believe Podcast Network. That's the platform we use here for the JT and Looney Podcast. And you'll get yourself a 50% signing bonus. So go there now to bet online and get into the incredible world of gambling. It's like back in the 80s. If you didn't smoke cigarettes, you weren't cool. Well, it's 2023. If you're not gambling, you're not cool. As we begin, good to see you, my podcast, man. You look all buttoned up. You look all good on the YouTube podcast. With thank Barry you. Monroe, to your left, to my right. Great to see you. Oh, thank you. Please start. stop talking about my looks and my art collection. Please, please. Not about me. It's not about me, JT. Please. I on the JT a- and Looney podcast. Well, you have a Marilyn Monroe fetish, which is okay. It's well, I'm more of a Warhol fetish. Warhol kind of turned me on to art, as it did Leonardo da Vinci with a a PBS program I saw on Cuca Lake and the Finger Lakes when I was a little boy. We were we never watched television all summer long except twice in five years. One was a Martin Luther King two-day PBS special. Another one was a Leonardo da Vinci two-day PBS special, and those. Two specials had a huge impact on my life. Well, art for me is a picture of me and Joe Montana. <laughs> great lighting <laughs> behind. That is a, a good uh, piece of art for uh, me. Uh, wow. I want to say a couple of things before we get into this unique topic. I think we have a really good podcast. What what podcast number are we? Are we in the pods? We're, we're coming oh, to our Lord. 200th anniversary. Yes, we are. We are nearing 200. I believe this is number 160. Good. We'll say that even though we're not sure. It'll be the one. <laughs> you can tell that I that wasn't up. sure. That's yeah. funny. And here's a fun fact for you. Something I should have brought up when we had Joe Montana on the show, but I turned into Chris Farley. And that is and my bro- and I, it was my brother's advice. My brother went to Notre Dame at the same time Joe Montana did. And they had something called bookstore basketball. And it was different dorms playing each other or whatever. He said Joe Montana was the greatest basketball player he ever saw. He said Joe Montana was just dunking and kicking everyone's ass. And Joe Montana's basketball team kicked everyone's ass. Well, Warren Moon was great. I've talked to him. Uh, I've talked to a whole bunch of other people that played. You wouldn't believe how many players 
elite athletes were great in multiple sports. Oh, yeah. For yeah. a different conversation, like could have played baseball, decided to play football. Kyler Murray, the man who has now the worst body language in the NFL, always yes. pissed off, always angry. Yeah. Number one pick, you know, two sports, elite baseball player, elite football player. Hard to do that. Hard to do that because that meant you played constantly at 8, 9, 10, 12 years old, both sports, probably basketball and track and field too. I think the greatest athlete of all time is Jim Brown because Jim Brown was an All-American, arguably the greatest lacrosse player of all time. Right. Football player, track star, and a brilliant basketball player growing up as a kid. It's tough to be a four four sport athlete. Yeah, you know, Syracuse went through a phase long before we were alive where Syracuse was one of the elite universities in the country, also for two-star sport athletes. Ernie Davis, the first African-American Heisman Trophy winner from Elmira, New York. I don't know if I've ever mentioned this before, JT. I am from Elmira, New York. Shout out to the 607. And I I have a Heisman Trophy fetish because the famous guy from my hometown won a Heisman Trophy before I was aware of anything. And... He was also a great basketball player. My brother, my brother, my father played basketball in high school with Ernie Davis and Ernie Davis could have gone to, uh, to Syracuse on a basketball scholarship, but went there on a football scholarship and Patrick Mahomes, of course, is another, the NFL MVP was a great baseball player. As it's 6.39 p.m. Pacific time. We're so lucky to live out West, even though it snowed again today, it snowed twice in Vegas. This Wow. Week. Two days it snowed. I mean, legitimate snow it didn't stick, but it was snowing. What a day I had today. I want to get this out of the way. Today is Fred Bolitnikoff's 80th birthday. Oh, I saw that on Twitter. Yes. And uh, I have one dad and I love my dad and mom and no one comes close to them. But Freddie has had probably the biggest impact in my life other than my dad, because I talk to Freddie every day. He turned 80 today. So you'll love this this morning. And it's part of our podcast because this podcast is entitled being a sports talk radio host is like being a bartender. Okay. We're going to get to that throughout right. the podcast. So today I had the luxury of filling in on a radio show. I co-hosted with Danny Cannell, famed Florida State quarterback. Yes. NFL quarterback. And he went to Florida State with Fred. Bolitnikoff was a legend at Florida State. And I told Danny that this morning. And I had to do that show from 9 a.m. to noon Pacific. But the hook was my Raider radio show starts at noon. Oh, that's right. So at 11.59, I had to press a button and disconnect. And I have to hit another button and connect at noon with about a 40-second window. So if the buttons don't work, wow, I'm screwed. And it worked today. So as I'm finishing the show with Jan- Danny Cannell, who's such a good broadcaster, I go, holy shit, I got to do the Raider show, and I don't get any guests. And I was starting to hit me around 9 in the morning, 9.30, 10. I knew it was Freddie's birthday. And I said, you know, I'm going to try to do something. I'm going to get on my text because I have a lot of people on my phone. And I started texting an agent, my buddy Jamie, who represents like 12 Hall of Famers. I got to, and he represents Fred. And I said, I got an idea. I want to do a Fred Bolitnikoff 80th birthday special party on the air. He said, great idea. So he gave me Mike Haynes, Tim Brown, Marcus Allen. Nice. And then I said, well, and he get James Lofton. And I go, well, I got Phil Villapiano. I got George Atkinson. I got Raymond Chester. And I texted them all. And it was so cool to see on my timeline in a matter of 30 minutes, seven of the greatest football players in Raider history got right back to me and said, of course, what time do you need me? And I said, I don't know. I don't know. I'm going to text you back when we need John. And all of those gentlemen, we threaded the needle and had seven of them on and all of them told a Freddie story. 
from Super Bowl eleven MVP to Al Davis to all of this. And Freddie was listening at home with his wife, and he was texting me along with the show. And I felt so satisfied. My heart was so full. The least I could do, and I got his son on. It was a surprise to him. His son, Freddie Jr., lives in Texas. He came on and told the story. I go, what was the greatest moment football-wise with your dad? And he said, when my dad won the MVP at the Rose Bowl, and after the game, he walked across the field with me, and I carried his bag at 11 years old. I walked across the Rose Bowl field, and my dad was the MVP. Wow. It wow. brought chills to me. So that was done. And to, to clarify that, too, the Super Bowl was played in the Rose Bowl. Yes, Super Bowl okay. eleven, where Fred Bolitnikoff did not score a touchdown. Good trivia question in a bar. Name the offensive player in Super Bowl history that did not score a touchdown. It's Fred. He had two massively long catches that changed the game right down to the goal line. And got tired, and then the Raiders just pounded in, right, for a touchdown. Well, yeah, he was not a speed demon, Fred Bolitnikoff. No, but a great hands and had big plays there. Yep. So that was good. And then I knew I was going to podcast with you. And it's one of those weeks where a couple of fill-in shows, my regular radio shows, the podcast here, and we always make the point that we don't dig ditches. We don't put out fires. We don't run uphill in the military at machine guns. We just have a great time. But it seg- segues into I've never felt like my career is more like a bartender <laughs> where I know I have the shift. Right. It's happy hour from four to eight. I'm also a late night bartender. So I work from eight to midnight or six to nine and you get up in the morning and do news on a monster station, KBC. So is it fair to say our careers now have evolved into bartending shifts? Oh my God. Yeah. It's, it's a great analogy because it, it's absolutely true. You know, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, I did morning drive 5 a.m. to 11 a.m. in Los Angeles on KABC as an anchor man. Now I'm part of the media elite now, JT, the news oh. media elite. Yes. Part of the big conspiracy all involved now with with uh, with all that. And on Monday and Tuesday afternoon drive in Los Angeles. So those were my bartender shifts of the week. Wednesday. Uh, recorded a commercial for Hurricane Grill and Wings for March Madness. That's love, a, I love a, those spots. A southeastern, uh, yeah, southeastern chain where I people don't realize the depth of my talent as an actor. On those commercials, I play a sportscaster. <laughs> uh, and today was an audition today, and I'm anchoring the news tomorrow night and in the mornings again on the weekend. So you're right, we have these bartender shifts now for our broadcast career. But as you as you mentioned, comparing it to putting out oil fires, et cetera, and people who do real hard work. We don't do real hard work. We make it sound easy, and it's not easy, but we don't do hard work compared to others. But you know, I saw Jim Carrey the other day talking about his father, who was the funniest person he knew, and has said his father could have been a successful comedian just like he was. But his father took a conservative route and then got as an accountant, I think, and then got laid off when he was 40. And Jim Carrey, at a young age, realized you can fail doing what you don't want to do. So why not go and go out there into the world and try what you do want to do, which is what we both tried to do. Yeah, and we talked about this topic for a podcast because when I got into the business and I jumped in and I started off doing overnights and I quickly hosted the Pete Rose show and I was doing double shifts, I just felt it was right for me. I needed yeah. to be the double guy. I wanted to work the double shift. And now, 26 years in the business, I did a five-hour shift back-to-back where, 
you know, I, it, it was like I was blindfolded. It wasn't a problem doing because if you take out the commercials and the updates and when a caller calls in, I rarely co-host shows uh, since you and I were together for 14 years. Danny today working with him. I drove for an hour. He drove for an hour, the one and two seat. And we did that. But, you know, I just kept thinking the connection to that bartender because I hang out with a lot of bartenders. Yeah. Yes, yes, you do. Bartenders, <laughs> And they've been very successful. Shout they, out to J.O.D., former bartender of the year in Vegas. Love that Todd guy. Parmalee, a long term, now successful restaurateur and manager and my buddy Rudy and my buddy Christian and my buddy Bruno, Chris Bruno, all my guys are bartenders. And what they do is they show up. And as we're trying to let younger broadcasters know how to get into this business and what you have to do, everything's changed. You don't have to show up for a bleeping podcast. You can do the podcast whenever you want it. We decided today to do it at 640. We could have did it at 320. In radio, you have to show up like a bartender. Sometimes bartenders have to open up the bar. They have the key. They open it up. They set it up. Hopefully it's clean from the night before. And they got to open it because customers are going to be there. In radio, you got to be on time. So lately I've been feeling as I live out of my calendar and I'm looking at it every day and I'm going noon to three. Um, Then I'm going six to nine. Then I'm going nine to noon, noon to two. All they are now at this stage of my career are these glorious bar shifts with familiar people I get to talk to, I got to be up to speed on the topics and the breaking news. We have a heinous story with an Alabama basketball player oh, God. who drove a gun to a teammate who shot a 23-year-old woman. And, you know, uh, Aaron Rodgers came out of the darkness. He literally <laughs> went on this darkness thing because he wanted everybody to know. And, you know, you prep for these things. But showing up, grinding in radio, I'm so happy I get the opportunity to do it. And it just feels more like a bar shift. It doesn't feel like a career anymore because we both had very lucky to have really good careers that right. are still going. I'm starting to mentally break it down into shifts. And how many shifts am I working this week? And I love that because it simplifies everything for me, Tom. You talked about being on time. You know, Anthony Bourdain kept talking about how the restaurant business, just show up on time, well bathed, get along with others. It's the most important thing you can do. And when I worked in the restaurant business, I worked at the Sidewalk Cafe in Venice Beach, and I lived on the beach across the street. I managed an apartment building, so I had no bills because I lived for free. So I've been living like a rich man since I'm in my 20s because when you don't have to pay rent, that's huge. You can go anywhere and anywhere time you want. So anyway, I would people that I worked with would come over, zzz, buzz my buzzer because I was late. I lived 17 feet from work. <laughs> I was late and I wasn't, you know, that, that wasn't my career. So I wasn't always on time, but then fast forward. And as you know, if you've got a radio or a television show, best damn sports show, period, maybe the, the perfect job for me. Cause it was announcing, it was microphones. It was recording. It was hype. It was, it was humor. It was sports. It was a perfect storm job for me. It was a job I had visualized in one way or another over the years. I was never, that's when in my life, in my 30s, I all of a sudden was never late again. One second for the rest yeah. of my life. When you love what you do and they pay you, and they pay you TV and, and radio money was bigger too back then, you weren't a second late. There was no reason to be. You loved what you did. Yeah, and radio, you can't be late. There's no, no. one there, right? There's no one there from time to time when I'm trying to connect. Yep. I'm trying to connect with someone and I'm trying to get on the air and pressing buttons to get on. You do it ahead of time. You know, that's really something fascinating about my life now where I'm hosting 
shows from home, when you press the button in the morning, the Comrex, and you're connecting to the station, and you go, holy shit, this better connect. It's like yeah. the ultimate <laughs> technology, right. right? You're connecting a laptop, a microphone, a Comrex. Is there Wi-Fi? Phone. Is there Wi-Fi involved too? Yeah, with you? heavy yeah. Wi-Fi out of the house. It doesn't yeah. work without Wi-Fi and the specialty Wi-Fi that I have in here. But, you know, the point I wanted to make on this podcast is, you know, I've talked to a lot of young broadcasters, a young broadcaster I know, his mom just died this week, and we had this heart-to-heart about his career and where it should have been and it wasn't, and his mom died. And I told him, I go, forget about your career. You're giving a eulogy coming up here, okay? That's much more important than my right. radio shows or your career. We'll get back to that in a future conversation. And now I'm starting to recommend to people, you got to have one or two. You got to be an alpha in broadcasting. You have to want every job every opportunity yep. you have to apply for everything and get really pissed off when you don't get something or something ends at the end where you don't think it deserves to end. But if you have that opportunity to go back and show up the next day, like I never dreamed that I'd ever fill in for anybody to me early in my career. Right. You know, I got an opportunity to fill in on the Pete Rose show. And then when I did it, I was better than the guy I was filling in for. So then instantly someone at least saw that and gave me a job and I would have kept fighting for that. And I don't want to throw the guy off who had the job. Right. To prove I can do it. And, you know, after 20 years in the business, now I get the opportunity to fill in for Jim Rome. If you would have told me that 10 years into the business, I would have freaked out. Why do I want to fill in for him? I would never want to fill in. I got my own brand. I remember that speech you gave. the, The thing was always at the time where if you're a fill in, that means you're not as good as the host or right. the host doesn't want anyone better than them to fill in. They always want someone lesser. Right. And now I love it. I get to go to Costa Mesa for a week. The opportunity to fill in for Jimmy gave me my start. And plus you got, but plus you, you, you gained enough confidence where you were over that baggage. Yeah. And it takes yeah. a while to get over that baggage. Yeah, That's it does. Why I, as I bring this back to what we're doing at this stage of our career is nothing more than a bartendership. Any three hours that I can get, fortunately for all of us, we have a rate what we, we get, what we're worth mm-hmm. and, you know, for filling in for three hours show, you're not going to get five thousand dollars. Right, right. Some people on TV do, but when you do yep. radio, you find something where you work, something you're happy you're working with, and then when you find that number, you can show up every day and treat it like a bartendership and go, "Hey, I'm going to show up and do three hours. I'm going to be done for the day after that, or I'm going to go back to my other show, and I'm going to make some money doing that." And I'm in that wheelhouse now where I love these shifts. When everybody says, "Hey, man, could you jump in for this guy?" or "You're going on vacation. He's filling in. Who do you got?" I love it all. Give me more and more and more because it's more opportunity to grind, be on the radio, be on a podcast, and talk about sports for a living. Who cares what time it is? Who cares what day it is? Even though I love my Friday nights open. (laughs) I will not fill in for you you on a Friday night. But other than that, man, I'm in a good space right now. I really like where I'm at right now. Well, and you talked about taking every shift you can, especially when you're younger. That's called getting your reps. Why did Kobe score 81 points? Practice. Why are you ready for the next big gig when you get it? Practice. Because you've got the reps. So when you get the bigger gig and you get you, you turn on the microphone and you're not nervous because you've got all the reps. You got to fill in for somebody, somebody with a huge name, bigger than yours. No big deal. That light goes on and you've got all the reps. And then, you know, as you mentioned, too taking the jobs now that we just say, yeah, sure. I'll do that. Yeah. I'll fill in that and morning, noon or night. It's also part of what's more important than living longer. And we've worked in a business where we've watched guys 
like Vin Scully and other and all over the country because we played local guys all over the country who were 70, 80, 90 and still calling games and still traveling with teams and doing play by play. Why were they so healthy? Why did their relationships work? A lot of them married to their first wife because they got to miss their wife a lot because they were on the road. And why were they living so long? Because they were enjoying what they do. So that's one reason why, too. I, I wouldn't I don't over identify with what I do. And neither do you. We really identify as family people and great friends. And we our friends are very important to us. If you take it away, you're not taking away my identifier. But I keep doing it and want to keep playing with microphones because I, I want to live to 100. Well, it takes a lot to get to this era. That's why, you know, we're talking to other broadcasters, younger broadcasters. It's not easy. It did not get there overnight. Right. Like someone said today with the several gigs I have that I'm happy to still do and sprinkle over those shifts. If someone say, hey, would you give them all up to do this one big thing? No. And that took a long time for me to get there. Wow. You know, to have a national right. show on Mad Dog a few nights a week, to have my Raiders gig, this podcast with you, other podcasts with the Raiders and other opportunities to do other radio shows at this stage of my life. It took me a long time to get here because you have to look at it and you can't say it's a step backwards or, Hey man, it's a step forward because I might get this job because I filled in for this or that. No, you just got to be proud of the job you do every day. You got to come in every day and go, no matter what time I'm on the radio, that's the biggest change I want to make out. Of course, when we were starting together, if you want to go back 20 years ago, you know, everybody wanted to be in morning drive. Right. I've heard of only a few good morning drive hosts in my life. Only a few. Howard Stern is the king. And right. Well, oh, syndicated of- morning drive. Right. Because mornings, morning shows are local. So if you yeah. want to be syndicated, you don't necessarily want to be on in the morning. Yeah, sports radio. Now the biggest syndicated shows are on at nine Pacific noon Eastern That's yep. not morning drive, but they're the biggest shows because a lot of people don't want to get up at five in the morning, five 30. And it's very local to do that. And the overnight business that I spent a lot of time in or late night and earlier than that, like six to 9 PM Pacific is nine to midnight. Eastern. Right. Well, is there a lesser audience than morning drive? Of course, but it could be a vast audience. At times you could be on a lot of different stations at the same time. If you add up that audience, it's a really big deal, but the business has changed now. No one gives a shit anymore because anybody can go back and listen to your show in real time or people are taking clips of your show that are three or four minutes. Like today, you know, to have Marcus Allen and to have this great legend like Tim Brown, you know, the people who listen to it for the 10, 12 minutes of each of them, great. The ones who didn't, I'm going to cut up five minutes of it and package it and send it out. It's just as good. People don't give a shit anymore. They used to. And that's why when these consultants fly all over the country and they tell you what you should do or shouldn't do, A lot of them are missing the boat. What happens now is people are going to find who they want to hear. I find Howard Stern every day. Howard Stern's show is repeated throughout the course of the day. And he doesn't work a lot. He doesn't work three, four days a week. And when I find it, I'm in my car for about 15 minutes. It brings me back to Howard when Mm -hmm. I started listening to WNBC when I was a kid in Long Island, New York. And it brings me right back to that space where I was as a kid. So like the bartending shift, wherever you're on, People could find when you're on and listen to it in real time, or they can listen to it 10 minutes later or the following day. Howard used to talk about spawning a whole tribe of mutant copycats. I was one of them. And uh, my friend used to send me the tapes from WNBC. 
And at 104.7 Hit Radio KFM in Syracuse, I would copy the bits. You know, he'd do celebrity doorbells, but I would do local celebrity doorbells. But sometimes I would even take the sound that he used. So what he was accusing and what he was bloviating about causing around the country, I was I was one of those copycats. I ended up working on his station at KLSX in Los Angeles, 97.1, the FM talk station. Our lineup, they decided to launch a, a lineup that would appeal to 18 to 54-year-old men. And uh, they started, it was Howard Stern in the morning and then potty talk all day. Howard Stern, Cindy Brady, then Cato Kalen, Tim Conway Jr. I did late nights, and it was incredible. Uh, it was just so much fun because it was also should, should I should we just go through this because this is a podcast? Can we just let this go because the dogs will stop in a minute? Um, I it was uh it, it was called you know it was also called Real Radio and this is Real Radio here. <laughs> our, our first moniker was Real Radio because we kept it real which is like we're, we're doing now, just like letting the dogs bark, which I know is really annoying you. But it was, there was, is that the greatest time I ever had on the radio? No, the greatest time I ever have on the radio is like right now, where this moment is my favorite time. What's your favorite job? My favorite job when I'm doing this is the one I'm doing at the moment. And that's what's really cool about what we're doing. Yeah, and the other arc of this podcast is what is a career anymore? You know, I was a stockbroker and a sports talk radio host. Those are my jobs my whole life. Stockbroker, out of college, radio host at 29 into my mid-50s. That's it. And, you know, a, a, a number of my friends who grew up with are police officers and firemen. And my mm -hmm. buddy Chris is a retired fireman. And I think about his career. And my buddy Jeff's a retired teacher. And I think about his career. All it was was shifts. Just showing up and doing a shift. Right. Especially a fireman. A fireman's a good example of it. You do a tour. Right. So you're going to work 12 yeah. hours. Straight. And that's also a career. And it's, life is different every day. When you're a fireman. <laughs> and the, the firemen yeah. who are listening do these tours and they do 24s. So they work a 24 and then they're off a 24 and then they might be off two days and then they work. Right. A 24. So the common person who works 40 hours a week, if they can, in a, a fireman, you can do two 24s on Monday and Wednesday or Monday and Thursday. And you got your 40 hours in. Right. In radio, we tend to look at it Monday to Friday. How long's the shift? But most of my career was a lot longer than the shift. You know, I've done some long haul shifts longer than I believe. I believe anyone in the history of radio. I don't know anyone in radio who have done longer shifts than me over this long. If you oh, know who that right. person is, please email me. You know, because I know a, a Mike and the Mad Dog shift to five hours, which is iconic. Those are two guys. I was doing five hour shifts by myself With one. Yeah. Yeah. So if you add that one, on, yourself, the guy in the mirror. Oh. And if you look around now, you, you see these two and three teams. That's another thing that I wanted to say is that, you know, <laughs> I want to be rewarded and work with other people and not have to talk every fucking second. Right. Like, I'm <laughs> talking every second. I've talked about this with our. They've got you in that agent. box now, though. JT yeah, just hosts alone. Box. There's like three people left in all the radio that say, "Oh, let's watch him suffer and do five hours." <laughs> let's just let him do that, and everybody else has a clapper in the yeah, back. You weren't, you weren't like Vin Scully, scaring everyone else away. You're a, you're a frat guy. You would have enjoyed working more often. I would love to be We're in the alone. middle of my show and have someone interrupt and go, "No, no, 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 no," and talk for four minutes. And I can <laughs> eat a sandwich and another cup of coffee. That doesn't that's never happen. So I'm sitting here and I'm going no it's nothing more than a shift and what i like about the shift now is you know when i do my mad dog show at night and 
you know, get good callers. I work for a company that takes calls. And you might say, well, don't they all? No, no, they don't. It's a no. dirty secret. Mm-hmm. Now you got consultants and other people say, you don't need, you need to take a call. The reason why we take calls in radio is for one reason. These are our customers and our listeners. They have to have the right to disagree. You don't have to put them on the air. If they're not good enough on hold to get on the air, you don't put them on. And if they're good enough and they can entertain and inform and push back, I love that because that's what I was. I got my start as a caller. But now you have shows that don't have any callers. So basically what people are doing are fake debates. They're going back and forth. They're putting up a list. The list, list, list that we've gotten to in the past. And I just like to see, like, I come out of a top of the hour break at 8 o'clock. Say, say it's 8 o'clock Pacific, 11 Eastern. And, you know, the phones are pretty packed certain nights. But if there's one person on hold and I don't want to get to them on that topic, I am now accustomed to going 20 minutes, 20 minutes by myself oh, with a little yeah. bit of sound. I'll throw the sound to catch my breath, play a highlight and all that, and come back and do that. And the way I think I've trained my mind to do it is by training myself that I'm a bartender. I'm on a shift and either I have one person in front of me who I'm serving a drink to, having a long conversation with, or I'm triple packed, three deep at the bar. It's absolute fucking chaos. I got to get everybody a drink. I got to get to the register, go back and forth. And I love that too. But I'm starting to compartmentalize it to say, come into the shift, be high energy, which is what we both do. Come in. It doesn't take 20 minutes to warm up. I've never done a radio show. Oh, my God. That drives us both crazy. Drives us crazy. Where people, their show opens up and they're talking about traffic or what they had for breakfast. Yeah, and I'll go back to J.O.D., the great famous bartender in Vegas, John O'Donnell. When I show up to his bar and boom, boom, there he is, J.T. Hey, hey, J.T.'s here, everybody, and he's on. It doesn't take him a minute or two. Hey, sit down here. I got to get my, I'm tired. And in radio now, I'm noticing a lot of people, because in podcasts, you can be slow. You can talk at this pace. Right. You can do a crime documentary. You can find the killer by the end of the podcast. In radio, <laughs> you got to be fast. you got to be energetic. And once you lose that energy, it's just like a bartender, a fireman, a teacher. Imagine having to be, I've married a school teacher. Imagine having to be a school teacher in this day and age where students are fighting in the hallway. There are issues where you come in with safety. And as soon as you stand in front of the class, you're on all day. Every kid is staring at you, looking for guidance. You can never be down. You can never show negative emotion. I really respect the worker who shows up every day consistently with energy, getting ready to do the shift and completes the shift and does it on time and does a great job. Oh, my God. Yeah, because I have, you know, I've had brief, periods in my life when I was younger, when I would do different jobs and I worked construction and I was the last one to show. I was the opposite of Tim Tebow. <laughs> I was the last one to show up. I took the longest King, lunch Tim Tebow reference. We haven't had one of those in like I know. <laughs> 60 episodes. I, I remember. I re- I'll never forget how that drove me crazy because almost every guy in the NFL shows up early and leaves late. That's how they ended up in the NFL. But nevertheless, yeah, in construction, I showed up late and left early. And I took the longest lunches because that wasn't for me. I'm the, and, and I same as you, that World War Two mentality. I know you love to throw World War Two references in uh, where you show up, you do your job to the best of your ability with high energy and you, you, know, you do it. to. The, and I, I didn't come from that generation and I couldn't do that unless I was doing what I loved. 
And so that's why I also steered myself towards that because I knew that's how I would get the best out of this life. And that's how, you know, it's important to show up on time, well bathed, get along with others and show up early and stay late and do the job to your best or your ability. And I can't do that unless I'm doing what I love. So fortunately, I was always able to do that. And I, I can't show up on time for work unless the work involves me being the center of attention. I got to ambush you with this question. Ooh, and if yes. you don't like it, we'll take it out. You said you would, you know, you love the way you have everything set up now, but your kids are getting a little bit older, old enough to move out of the house or be left behind. You can hop on the horse with your wife and ride off into the sunset to WFAN in New York. And they want you to do an afternoon drive for seven figures. And you live in a, you can live in a Manhattan penthouse and work at WFAN New York, a three-year contract beginning January, 2024. Would you do it? Great question. I could probably do it because I could probably pull it off with what I have here in Vegas, but I can't. With oh, but you would job. still want to work for the Raiders and do WFA oh, in New York? Yeah, oh. I couldn't do both, so I probably right. wouldn't do it. And, and that's right. another important point here. I'm happy you brought that up. With I say this about a lot of our peers and a lot of my peers and right. your peers. We were all good enough to work for fucking WFAN. Absolutely. Let's get that out of the way. Mike right. and the Mad Dog were the greatest of the greats, okay? And there's been other people there over the years you know, Boomer Esiason, okay? There has been enough people that have worked on that channel. And if there was a little nepotism or not, that worked on that channel who could never have gotten higher in Jacksonville, Detroit, or San Antonio. Right. Believe me, I've had this conversation. Some sure. of them have turned out to be iconic. Others have been iconic update anchors. And people have been there. But don't put that station on a pinnacle where they changed the world. No, a show changed the world. A team that was on the channel. And the format. They invented the format. The format. They deserve credit for all of it. And I know a lot of the guys who could be listening to this in a snippet, so I don't want to take it out of context. Right. But there has been plenty of people on KNBR, WEEI in Boston. These are all stations I've Oh, been how many times have we interviewed somebody from Akron who was good enough to be on anywhere in the country? Absolutely. Because they do the homework. They're entertaining, entertaining, informative, and relevant. I just always thought that, that, that people who run WFA in New York were nuts not to have you doing something there. You're so New York. Your yeah. energy's the same. You're, you're a little bit, you, you appear grouchy like a New Yorker, even though you're never that way in person. You're so you're so New York. You're so perfect for that station. I still have always visioned that it might happen for well, you. Look, you know, and I appreciate that. But when you look at it again, again, you take out Mike and the Mad Dog, right? You take mm -hmm. out the show that the Mike and the Mad Dog to WFAN is what Howard Stern was, right? The channel he was on. So you take out the icons. Everybody else who's there, some of them are nowhere near as talented as the guy in New Orleans. Who's right. got 12 local sponsors and a Saints show and doing a show there? They just never bothered to find him in New York. Right. Well, look at that. And again, I always thought my DNA was, you know, again, another credit to Jim Rome and Dan Patrick and Tony Bruno and the people that we, I always thought being national was much bigger. No one's right. really bigger. You know, the guys in Dallas on the ticket or the biggest guy, one who just got suspended for a racial issue in Boston. Or KNBR, KNBR, where I got to know Gary Radnich, who was really big there. Always say this about the biggest guy locally. If he lost his job, where would he get hired? And you could say, well, Colin Coward's a good example. Colin Coward could get hired on any local station in America, be yep. the number one guy, and have the biggest national show, right? Because yep. he can do that. 90% of them can't. 
because of their accent. They don't study. They just cover one team. They could never do a national show. They'd shit their pants. Oh, you're right. The ones who are super elite, the super elite guys on the score in Chicago or, you know, a a good example is our buddy Softy, right? Softy's on KJR in Seattle. He is damn good. Oh, he's so good. He's got a massive brand in Seattle, right? He's got a family there. If Softy wanted to, Softy's better than 90% of the guys right now on 90% of the stations in New York, Boston, Chicago. Not even close. Agree. If they don't know him or don't want to hire him or he doesn't want to leave or he loves his life in Seattle, you can't worry about that. And I've always wondered about the guy who's the big guy on a station locally. They all have the same comeback, too. You want to know the dirty secret, what their comeback is? I don't want to be national. Oh, yes. (laughs) I love those guys. And the compliment to the guy I work for now on this channel, Christopher Mad Dog Russo, if you could make millions upon millions, have a channel named after you, Mad Dog, or be the king of WFEN, you don't have to be national. He's the perfect example of that. But we worked with the biggest guy in media right now, no debate, is Stephen A. Smith. No debate. Right. He's the number one guy in media, bigger than Skip, who's big, bigger than any radio host. We worked at a company that didn't think that Stephen A. Smith played well in the Midwest. Right. Like yes. Stephen A. Smith wasn't good yep. enough to be on in Indiana. True story. Stephen A. Smith didn't, he didn't do well. He wouldn't work well in the flyover states. I was in meetings and heard that. And yep. look at Stephen A. How lucky was Stephen A. that he didn't fall into that trap and go, oh, I'm so pissed off. They don't believe I can work in mornings. Here, I can't be national. And now... He's national on steroids. So it's wherever you're happy, you know, there should be no bitterness wherever you're happy. Jim Rome, I I keep referencing, could Jim Rome do local radio in LA and San Diego and be the king? Yeah, he was. Sure. He He did. He he was the king of San Diego. And and I think the two most important words there you mentioned is be happy. Sometimes people overthink about certain things like, am I the one or the two? Who's talking more? You used to talk more than me. Okay, I'll do the heavy lifting in the gym. Fine. You know, but people would over, a lot of co-hosts would have worried about it. For a long time, my name wasn't on the show. I was still on the show <laughs> and I had a seat. Don't over worry or play cards or play poker with shit you don't need to play play cards with and with hands that you don't need to, 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 to uh, fuck with. And so that's always important to enjoy what you have and don't over worry about ego shit. No, it's very important when you look at that, because when it comes to this, the great documentary, I keep referring people to the Defiant Ones with Jimmy Iovine and Dr. Dre. And Jimmy Iovine started off as a board out. He was Mm -hmm. basically a mixer. He mixed. He all of a sudden started mixing the greatest out. He worked with John Lennon. Right. He passed away. Bruce, Tom Petty, Stevie Nicks. Right. And somewhere in the documentary, I always reference this with my wife. They get to the point where Jimmy Iovine lost his job as a producer and he went home and he thought it was over and he was sulking. And basically he told them the story after two or three days, no one gives a shit. Go get a right. job and go do it again. Right. And that's the kind of message I wanted to send on this podcast to everybody who's thinking about it from a broadcasting perspective, but let's talk about it in life. No one gives a shit anymore. And I think a lot of that has to do with COVID. It really does. It can tie it into COVID and what happened over the last couple of years or social media and the downfall. What social media does is is it puts pressure on young people, young girls and boys that they have to live up to something, right? They see see the beauty. Their life needs to be a successful television show. Like this. 
what's happened that I've known, I didn't know that at any point in my life until recently, no one gives a shit. They care about your health, your family, yep. your general happiness. No one cares about your job. And when I got into the business, I was so driven to be number one. And I always felt like if I, I always had a good job, I always thought like I could see number one, but never number one like Mike and the Mad Dog, mm -hmm. or never number one like, you know, it's the biggest syndicated guy out there, but maybe number one at nights, maybe number one on the big syndicator and be that guy. And then when you get to the point where you didn't fail, but you didn't achieve number one, you settle in. And now I'm settling yeah. into the bar, the bar manager, the bartender shift in life. And just remember, if you're trying to break into this business or movies or social media, or if you want to get into tech, whatever it is, you might get hired by Facebook, Apple, Google, and you start off as an engineer and you're like, no, I want to be like Elon. I want to be like Zuckerberg. Be that guy. Be that yeah. guy for a while and then build a nice career. And then when you get to a point in your career where you're happy, notice it, appreciate it. And then when that starts to trail off just a little bit, you're not a failure. If you don't get to Elon Musk, or if you don't get to Colin Coward or Dan Patrick, if you don't get to Christopher Mad Dog Russo or Stephen A. Smith, you're not a failure. No, try to look at success as uh, having successful relationships, having successful relationships with family and friends, and doing what you love for a living. That's success. Not the paycheck, not the status. But did you do what you loved for a living, and did it end up helping you live a long time? Well, thank you. Uh, you win the Michael Ryan Award. Thank you for listening to all 41 minutes and 41 seconds of the JT and Looney podcast, uh, powered by our friends at Bet Online, where the game starts. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.